1: Hey everyone, Matt Straub, welcoming you to the Roto-World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 10th. The NBA draft is just over one week away. And today we're going to be taking a look at a number of players who got drafted last year and see who is and who maybe is not a candidate for a second year breakout. That and more is coming up over the next half hour or so on the show.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.
1: Right now, we welcome in my co-host, Steve Alexander. Steve, what's going on?
3: Not a lot. We had a, a Chase Elliott NASCAR victory. Georgia, Matt, finally has a champion, and... I went to Dawsonville, Georgia yesterday, which is literally 13 minutes from my home, and watched him do burnouts in his race car on the Dawsonville Square. It was awesome.
1: Oh wow! Were there any buildings in jeopardy there, or how did that how did that play out?
3: Uh, if you watch the video, it's a it's a little um, <laughs> like for what he was doing and where he was doing it, and how many people were around, and how many. Buildings and structures were there. It, it was a little. Um, it, obviously, the guy knows how to drive a car. We'll there was that.
1: someone signed a waiver, is what you're saying.
3: There were there were lots of uh, government officials involved <laughs> to to make sure that no one got run over by Chase Elliott.
1: <laughs> that would be uh, that would be quite a headline. Roto-World writer injured in burnout incident in Dawsonville Square.
3: Yeah, and uh. Bill Elliott, uh, Chase's father, and, and you know, awesome Bill from Dawsonville. He was he was there in, in the little parade, and it's pretty cool. Like, when I was growing up in Indiana, my, Bill Elliott was my dad's guy, and my dad was a big NASCAR guy, and uh, he always talked about Bill Elliott, and now, you know, I can be at Firehouse eating a sandwich sitting at, a, at the next table is Bill Elliott and his wife, and it, it's pretty wild. It's pretty, pretty cool.
1: That's awesome. All right, we have some big basketball news, Steve. Free agency, we now know, will officially begin on November 20th. That is 10 days from when we sit here. I think I can see your heart rate rising as I mention this. (laughs) The NBA season will start just over a month after that, December 22nd, Steve. So as we were talking about last time we met, that scenario has come to pass. We are less than... Six weeks away from the start of the 2020-21 NBA season. That is wild.
3: Yeah, and there are three really stressful time frames being a fantasy basketball guy, Road a World and all that. One of them is the day we have to turn in the NBA draft guide, which our soft target on that right now is November 17th. Uh, actually I think that's when we're going to try to go live. So November 17th is a big day, all the articles, all the rankings, all the stats, everything. It's crazy. And then the next day, November 18th is the NBA draft, which is an all hands on deck situation because we, you know, we blurb every pick as it happens. It's 60 blurbs in a, in a few hours and we try to keep them all in order and have the information be solid. And then the other one, of course, is free agency frenzy which happens two days after that. So three of our biggest days are happening within four days of each other.
1: What are you doing here talking to me? You have to go.
3: <laughs> yeah, and my wife just took my 13-year-old's technology away from him, so he's grounded, which means he's going to be in my face uh, nonstop for the next week. So that's that's cool, too.
1: Well, that should be fine. All of this should be fine. I'm, I'm not worried for you at all. Let's get into the topic at hand today, which is some second-year players who we think may have the potential to break out, or maybe not. I've highlighted a handful of names here, Steve. Let's run down this list and talk about the possibilities. And we start, of course, with Zion Williamson. I'll just review quickly his numbers from last season in his 24 games. 22.5 points, 6.3 boards, 2.1 dimes. That's the good news Of course, that's accompanied by 0.7 steals and 0.4 blocks and 0.33 pointers. Now, he also averaged, I should note, his last 15 games before the shutdown, he was even better, 25.1 points per game. When you look at the whole picture, Steve, where I land on this is it all comes down to the defensive stats and the threes with Zion. And I think it's fine to project a rise in defensive numbers if there are defensive numbers there to begin with. But I have... I have concerns about projecting defensive stats going from almost zero to something significant. And I think about one example, Steve, Blake Griffin. When he came into the league, explosive leaper, explosive college player, it only seemed like a matter of time that the defensive stats were going to start flowing for Blake Griffin, cut to, what, 10 years later, and he's averaged 0.9 steals and 0.5 blocks for his career. And that right there is my concern with Zion, his defensive stats not ever translating to the nba
3: yeah it is a concern and you didn't even mention um his knee or his weight (laughs) so or or all the missed games last year all the concerns about about those things uh thrown into the lack of defensive stats and you know you look back to his nba debut he hit what four three pointers that night i think
1: that's right And everybody
3: got everybody got all fired up you know this guy's gonna hit threes he's gonna block shots He. Uh, but I, I don't know, man, Blake, Blake Griffin could jump out of the gym when he came in the league, but he just, he wasn't a shot blocker. And I kind of feel like Zion might be headed down the same path for me, when you add in all the things I mentioned, all the things you mentioned, and then you combine his name with those things, it just feels like he's always going to be drafted higher than he should be. I'm, I'm going to let somebody else take him.
1: I agree. And just. My final thought here, I think there's a very real chance that he breaks out in a real-life sense. I could easily see him averaging 25, 26 points per game this upcoming season, but he may do that while not being a great fantasy player or even a, a good fantasy player, because if you just take a hollow stat line that's just some points and boards, you don't have three steals or blocks, you have free throw percentage somewhere in the 60s, which is what he was last year you have a not very good fantasy player. So I think the real life blueprint is more promising than the fantasy blueprint. And that takes us to John Morant last year. <laughs> Steve as a rookie. There were some really good, really promising signs for John Morant. He averaged 17.8 points, 3.9 rebounds, 7.3 dimes, 0.9 steals, 0.93 pointers. He also averaged 3.3 turnovers and was well outside the top 100 overall for the season. So I'm a lot more I'm a lot more confident here when you just look at those numbers he put up as a rookie point guard, basically 18.7 dimes. There's a path for him to really make a huge leap and be an awesome fantasy player, but I do have a little bit of similar caution just with the defensive stats. If he's going to be like a one steal per game guy, that doesn't really cut it for a fantasy point guard.
3: No, and I'm not I'm not as concerned about Ja as I am Zion. I think I think Ja Morant can get steals. I think he'll improve there. I think he you know, he's been in the year in the league for one year. He's trying to figure this thing out. One of the things that I don't love is that Memphis also has Tyus Jones and D'Anthony Melton, and I feel like those guys kind of pushed him maybe eight some of Ja's minutes last year. But I, I think Morant, I think he's going to take a huge step in reality and fantasy this year. I, I I'm kind of in on on Ja Morant. Hopefully. Um, he won't be overvalued. Hopefully people will look at what he did last year, realize that he's like a 10th round guy and not a third round guy. I'd like to get him in like the sixth or seventh round, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a very real path for him to get to 20 points and maybe nine assists or something like that. I just hope it is accompanied by an improvement in threes and steals. If that happens, he's going to be awesome. So I, I do see a much more realistic path for him to be a really good fantasy player this year than Zion. Next up, is RJ Barrett Steve of course the number 3 overall pick in the draft. He was showing some signs of putting it together in some fashion before the season shut down. Of course, early in the season he was a complete percentage nightmare. Basically, for his rookie season he shot 40.2% from the field, 61.4 from the line. Worth noting though in those last 12 games before the season shut down, 17.1 points, 4.6 boards, 2.8 dimes. Shot 43.9 from the field. The problem, though, again, 0.9 steals, 0.1 blocks, just 1.3 threes. So it's another question of where is Barrett an impact fantasy player? And I'm not sure exactly where, but I guess if we're talking about a guy who basically at 19 years old was averaging 17 points, nearly five boards, three assists, there is a path to him being good. I just, I'm concerned just given what we saw with the percentage struggles.
3: Yeah, and then you add Tom Thibodeau into the mix as as the Knicks' new coach. Uh, Defensive-oriented, defensive-minded guy. To me, that works should work well for a guy like Mitchell Robinson. I don't know what it means for an R.J. Barrett, though. You know, Barrett Barrett's a, a really good player. I, I don't think we've seen uh, the true R.J. Barrett play, at least in the NBA yet. But uh, again, I don't know that he's going to improve in those categories we need him to improve in in fantasy it's weird like this class every single guy we've talked about has the potential to be a really good nba player and a superstar and not a really great fantasy player which
1: is kind of weird it is weird and by the way steve you pronounced taj gibson wrong a second ago when you said (laughs) mitchell robinson (laughs) taj taj and tibbs what a beautiful pairing
3: a a peas and carrots situation man (laughs)
1: Taj does have, a, I think, a team option. I mean, you have to assume that's getting picked up. And he's he's on a clear path to 28 minutes per game.
3: Why don't they just make him assistant coach, player coach right now?
1: Yeah, you can see Taj on Tibbs' staff about five years from now. But talk about a guy who's definitely going to flummox, Mitchell Robinson, fantasy managers. Another year of Taj Gibson in New York. All right, the next name on my list, Steve, is Kobe White. Nine games before the shutdown, he averaged 26.1 points, 4.2 boards, 4.4 assists, 3.9 three-pointers, was shooting 48% from the field during that stretch. You can call that a hot streak if you want, but I am more than a little bit intrigued by Kobe White's potential this upcoming season. Where do you land?
3: I'm fired up, man. I rostered him in several places last season, and he was so fun to have on your team down the stretch. and. You know, the Bulls finally turned him loose and let him do his thing. He looked awesome. I, I love Kobe White. I'll probably overreach for Kobe White this year.
1: And I think the Billy Donovan factor is promising. But again, not that, I mean, he was thriving under Jim Boylan, so I'm not sure it even matters. It seems like Kobe White is a priority for the Bulls. Hopefully they don't do something absurd to crush his value in this upcoming draft, but I wouldn't put it past them. Next name I want to talk about, Steve, is Cam Reddish. A lot of people, I think, look back at Cam Reddish's rookie season and say, oh, well, he, this guy really struggled, which was true for a long stretch. But I think it's worth noting that he actually put up pretty good numbers for a significant amount of time toward the end there. And I'm talking about his final 21 games, basically the quarter of a regular season of a normal season. For that 21-game stretch, 14.6 points, 3.9 boards, 1.1 steals, 0.5 blocks, 2.1 threes. 47% of the field, nearly 83 from the line. The reason I am excited about that from Reddish is that potential in threes and defensive stats. We talked about some guys where it's really not quite there. Well, Reddish for that stretch, better than a steal per game, half a block per game, 2.13s. There is a little bit of me being a desperate Hawks homer in this statement, but I'm very excited about Reddish for this upcoming season.
3: Yeah, I, I like reddish. Uh, I like him more than it seems like other fantasy guys do. I am a little worried though. I mean, you've got Trey Young, you got Kevin Herter, you got DeAndre Hunter, you got John Collins, you got Clint Capella. That that means reddish is going to be probably coming off the bench. I, I'm a little worried about his role, but I feel like the tools are all there, and I feel like he's a better player than people think he is, and he's going to be there late in your fantasy draft and and you can get him with very little risk involved which I kind of like.
1: I agree there are some for a not good team last year the Hawks have a lot of potential options. We haven't even seen Capella play for them yet, but I do also think there's a potentially a chance that Reddish establishes himself as a number 3 option on that team. The clear number 3 behind Trey Young and John Collins where Clint Capella is plenty involved but is maybe, you know, more of a 12 point per game guy or something like that for the Hawks. And Reddish, who was playing really aggressive, carves out a pretty significant role for himself.
3: Yeah, and I guess it it comes down to the offensive development of DeAndre Hunter, which DeAndre Hunter is a two-way player and a really good defensive player. And you know his whole focus could end up being defense, and and that would help Reddish too.
1: Quickly, let's cross DeAndre Hunter off this list because the good news for him is he shot 35.5% on threes as a rookie, 1.7 per game, averaged 12.3 points, but another guy where the overall combo of defensive stats just doesn't cut it. 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks for Hunter. I just don't see as a guy who was billed as, like you said, a fantastic defensive player. That didn't translate to the pros. He was not active defensively for the Hawks. He was more looked like more of a position defender and maybe not a great one at that. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with DeAndre Hunter, but he did not look like a defensive monster last year. Certainly not from a fantasy standpoint, and I, I don't see it. This upcoming year so no deandre hunter for me in
3: fantasy i mean i i might take a late round flyer on him in a deep league but i'm not i'm not targeting deandre hunter again he he might be another one of these guys that turns out to be a really good player in real life although last year that really wasn't the case but really good player in real life and maybe not a fantasy guy we'll see
1: yeah i've seen some writing somewhere about how promising that three-point percentage is was for him i can't remember if it was john hollinger on the athletic someone writing about how what a promising sign it was that he basically shot 36 percent on threes as a rookie
2: Dietz and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference
1: next up steve i think there's another guy as for me i don't really need to overthink this one very much i see pj washington as quietly a pretty legitimate breakout candidate there were ups and downs for him as a rookie but when you look at the whole picture 12.2 points 5.4 boards 2.1 dimes and here's the really good news 0.9 steals 0.8 blocks 1.53s that's a pretty clear blueprint for future fantasy success what do you think
3: yeah, I really like Washington. And it, it was hard to even tell he was a rookie last year. And I like the fact that that Charlotte depth chart is like Jalen McDaniels and, and Cody Zeller and, and some some individual named Ray Spaulding. So I like him locked in at power forward in Charlotte. He might take a huge leap this year. Out of all the guys we talked to, I, he's one of my favorite ones. Talked about.
1: I agree. You know, he, he's not going to be an ooze or Oz pick when you take him in the middle rounds or in the middle to later rounds. But I think he's quietly a guy who has kind of a nice combo of floor and ceiling. So I'm definitely excited about Washington, a much less flashy name, but very intriguing. The next thing I want to talk about, Steve, before we go into super quick hit mode here is Tyler hero. Now we talked several weeks ago about the idea of the double off season, where the season shut down in March and then resumed over the summer and now it's over again, and <laughs> it's starting back up. <laughs> For a player like Hero, you could see him make a pretty significant leap. We saw one leap already in the playoffs, averaged 16 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.7 assists, and 2.3 threes in 21 playoff games. My worry is a little bit, Steve, that he might get overrated in drafts because of what he did on a big stage. And then you roll in the fact that he only averaged 0.4 steals and 0.1 blocks during that playoff run. Where do you land on the possibility that Hero is a little bit overdrafted this upcoming season?
3: I think he's going to be overdrafted. He's not a one trick pony, but he is a three point points guy. And outside of that, everything else he does is you kind of take his gravy. The other thing about Tyler Hero is there's this Duncan Robinson guy that it doesn't seem like I've ever seen those two guys in the same place at the same time. I also don't know that they can ever have a great game on the same night. It's like one or the other, I feel like. And Robinson last year was the starter, and he might be the starter this year, which is going to make it tough for Hero. I'm down with drafting Tyler Hero. I like Tyler Hero, but you got to be careful not to take him too early because he's he's really not going to give you enough statistical categories to make him a, a fantasy stud, I don't think.
1: Agreed. I do like him, and I think he's not just a points and threes guy, because during that playoff run, you saw nearly four assists per game. I just, as I said, concerned about the defensive stats. Another name I want to talk about, Steve, is a name we haven't said in a while, Kevin Porter Jr. He was playing really well as a 19-year-old late last season. He had a 14-game stretch from late February to early March that featured 14.2 points, 3.4 boards, 2.9 dimes, 1.0 steals, 0.5 blocks, and 1.9 three-pointers. If we're talking about a 26-year-old or a 28-year-old doing that, I wouldn't be really excited. But when we're talking about a 19-year-old doing that, it has my attention.
3: Yeah, I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. showed tons of potential and flashes last season. There's two Porter Juniors in the league, and I kind of love both of them. Uh, This Shetty Osman character in Cleveland keeps standing in the way of Kevin Porter Jr. from completely breaking out. But like you said, man, he's so young. The sky's the limit. He's only going to get better. I mean, I'm probably reaching for Kevin Porter Jr. in my drafts this year.
1: I will say, since you brought him up, I think Michael Porter Jr. technically, I guess, qualifies for our second-year breakouts list, even though he was drafted in 2018. He, of course, didn't play his first year because of back surgery. So let's spend a second talking about it. How much confidence do you have when you look at the Denver depth chart? Let's talk about that for a second do you see a path for Michael Porter Jr. to break out like we saw him do just for stretches this past season?
3: I mean, I think Denver has to realize that this kid is the future. Paul Millsap is probably like, what, 47, 48 years old. Uh, Then there's Jeremy Grant. And then you got to worry about Bull Bull coming in and and busting threes while, while Porter's on the bench. But Porter Jr., in denver is the guy like that's who the fans want to see that's who the fantasy people want to see that's who the people that are paying for the nba league pass want to see hopefully denver just turns him loose this year i mean michael porter jr is going to be a very interesting guy to watch and see where he gets drafted because i think in every league it's probably going to be a little bit different there's going to be guys that are reaching for him and maybe as high as the fourth or fifth round in some leagues there could be some people in Denver who love him so much they reach higher than that. Regular leagues, maybe round six or seven, but there's so much upside there. Like He's one of the players I'm most excited about, not named Luca.
1: Also, the thing to keep in mind is what happens for Michael Porter Jr. The most important of any of these guys that we talked about, free agency is going to be pretty big for him. Paul Millsap's a free agent. Jeremy Grant also hitting the free agent market. And so will Denver resign both of those guys. If they do, obviously Michael Porter Jr.'s path to big time value becomes a lot murkier, but if one or both of those guys are gone, we could see that Michael Porter Jr. take off and quickly to refresh everyone's memory what we are talking about. It's funny, Steve. It it seems like he was hot for about 3 weeks in the NBA ball, <laughs> but it was really just a four game bonanza.
3: Matt, we call that the Anthony Randolph special when he went on a six-game tear in April of 2006 and blew everybody's mind.
1: 29.3 points, 12.5 rebounds, 1.3 steals, 1.0 blocks, 3.5 three-pointers in a four-game stretch when he was getting crazy playing time. That's why we're excited about Michael Porter Jr.
3: That's kind of a small sample size, Matt. <laughs> Four games.
1: Four games. It felt, like, uh. it felt like a lot more at the time. I don't know why. Ant Rand. What a week it was. Quickly, Steve, let's just quick hit this before we get out of here. Rui Hachimura, his final 20 games, 13.1 points, 6.2 rebounds, but just 0.9 steals, 0.63 pointers. Similar set of concerns to what we saw for some other players. Do you have confidence that Hachimura can kind of break through as a fantasy option? He, He seems way too serviceable for me and more of a guy who will occasionally go off for you in DFS or a deeper league.
3: Very serviceable. Yeah, let me let me pull up what I wrote about him last night in the Roto World NBA Draft Guide. Oh. I said he's worth a late-round flyer based on what he did last season and could take a big step forward in 2020. But unless he starts hitting threes, blocking shots, and stealing the ball, he won't be very much fun to roster. Take a late flyer on him and be prepared to drop him if he's not getting it done for you in the first couple weeks of the season. There you go. There you
1: go. Let's hit a few more here. Brandon Clark was a very good permanent player as a rookie, but I worry about a crowded front court in Memphis limiting him again. What are your thoughts?
3: I was feeling Brandon Clark early last year. I drafted him a couple places. I really thought he was going to, I kind of thought he was going to step up and go off. He had his moments, but he was just kind of a blah fantasy guy to have on your team. I'm lukewarm on Brandon Clark. I, I doubt I'm going to target him anywhere this year. If he falls to me at the end of the draft, and and it looks like it makes sense to take him, I will. But I'm I'm not venturing out and setting my sights to come away with Brandon Clark in my drafts.
1: I think he's another deep league guy. If you're playing in a deep 12-team league, I think he's going to be worth drafting. If you're playing in a shallower 10-team league or something like that, I don't think he's going to quite get there. That's my guess. Just a couple more names here. Darius Garland, Steve, had a month-long stretch late in the season. 12 games, 12.9 points, 5.1 assists, 1.63s. You know, a, a super high draft pick last year. But during that same stretch, just 0.6 steals and 43% from the field. I kept waiting for Garland to break out and put it all together because I thought he was a dynamic talent. But I'm starting to get a little concerned that he could be statistically speaking the second coming of reggie jackson and by that i mean <laughs> a point guard who mostly gets points and threes and has some flashy games and might average like 17 points per game but isn't that valuable of a fantasy player because of gaps in his stat line elsewhere
3: yeah i agree with you uh the the guard i want from cleveland is colin sexton uh i'm probably not gonna mess with garland let somebody else have him or, or maybe he'll go undrafted but you know, looking at Cleveland, man, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and Kevin Porter Jr., that's a nice young nucleus they've got there. And uh hopefully they they get it going and, and will be fun to watch. But Garland, I think, is a true scoring guard and probably not much more to his game.
1: Agreed. And last name I want to quickly hit is Jarrett Culver, who did have his moments as a rookie, but the percentages were not good. D'Angelo Russell is in Minnesota and they're potentially getting another big name in the backcourt, potentially a LaMelo Ball, for example, in the upcoming draft. I just don't see Culver as a likely second-year breakout guy.
3: Yeah, and I don't even think they're going to start him. And like you said, Culver didn't really have that many great, great moments last year. I don't think there's any reason to think uh, he's going to break out this season.
1: All right, well, that about does it. Next week, we're going to be back to preview the NBA draft. Maybe talk a little bit of free agency as well as we fly toward the most hectic four days of your life. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Tuesday as things ramp up in a hurry around here. Thanks to all of you for listening. Steve, thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man.